This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod. It's PuckCast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. AJ, off the top, we have to address the situation in Philadelphia. We've been harping on the fact that they just can't get it right uh, behind their blue line, and in net particularly, and it's... Uh, uh, ironic that a goalie was their general manager for the last few years and Ron Hextall walked the plank this week so uh, your thoughts yeah I think it's a an interesting move um, you know kind of the the scuttlebutt if you were will is you know that he was unwilling uh, to fire the the head coach there um, that's kind of uh, what the rumblings have been uh, among uh, you know the media types out there uh, on Twitter and stuff like that. So uh, kind of an interesting situation. Uh, I do want to touch on the the couple of candidates whose names have kind of been tossed around as replacements. Um, you know, there, there's a couple of guys who, whose names should be a little bit familiar. Chuck Fletcher, who was formerly with the Wild, Dean Lombardi, Lombardi, sorry, um, who was with the Kings, Ron Francis from Carolina. But the one name that I, I find most intriguing is actually Chris Pronger. Hmm. Um, obviously, uh, a former flyer himself uh, has been doing some front office stuff lately, uh, was a scout with them for, for a couple of years, kind of post uh, retirement. He's a senior advisor of hockey operations with the Panthers right now. So uh, some interesting names. There's a couple others out there, but, uh, I would be really intrigued to kind of see Chris Pronger in this role. You know, we've seen plenty of former players, uh, have some success in these front office gigs. Well, a couple of the guys that you named were for, former, uh, players of note, uh, Ron Francis, no slouch in that area too. Uh, he had some success, uh, uh, at the executive level, but most well-known for an outstanding career as a player. So he and Pronger, I think, are really intriguing to me. Pronger's been angling for this for a while, though. I wonder if he's still getting paid uh, under the LTIR rules, too, uh, as, <laughs> as a player. He had that lengthy contract that was uh, uh, an issue for the Players Association in the NHL for a while. A few contracts like that. Marion Hossa is another one, I guess. And uh, in any case, 
again, the Flyers are paying for the fact that they haven't answered the, the one thing that's dogged them, and we've talked about it ad nauseum in this corner. They've tried five NHL goalies so far this year, and that's just not not a good situation, and they never got it right. And I figured a guy who knew something about goalies would, would eventually fix it, and so I was a little disappointed in that, that aspect of Hextall's uh, run. I mean, they're talking about Carter Hart as being the guy, but he's he's not doing well in the minors, and they, they figure he's a year or two away still. But, uh, boy, uh, somebody's got to step in there and get it right uh, from the goal, from the net out, I'll say. There's even some players that are underperforming. We'll get into the players shortly. But, uh, A.J., why don't you give our listeners a reminder, please? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just uh, of note, I did head over to our friends at uh, catfriendly.com, took a look. Chris Pronger, uh, this is the first year he's not getting paid <laughs> any longer. So he was still, or I'm sorry, uh, last year would have been the first year. So he was still getting paid through 1617 uh, under that, that contract. So a uh, big deal from that uh, from them, obviously. But uh, as you mentioned, before we kick off the rest of the show, just remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, daily fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, want to get our take uh, on you know a, a situation that you see during the week. Obviously, we try and answer those uh, in the show week to week. But if something comes up and you want to kind of pick our brains about it right away, feel free to tweet at us. As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24 and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. And AJ, it never ceases to amaze me how roster ch- rosters change from week to week, and that's really the, the fill of the next part of the show uh, where we go through each of the teams and we highlight players. Uh, there, there's movement all the time, so the coaches are tinkering, the players' performance is necessitating these changes. And uh, one uh, situation right off the top in Anaheim that intrigues me: this is a team that's right around the 500 mark. They're two and one last week, but Nick Ritchie is a guy that uh, I've been touting for a long time as a break, breakout candidate. Uh, at some point, uh, he's made good on his promotion to the second line left wing role here. Uh, goal and three assists last week, and uh, good look on the power play in his last six games with his size you know he's coach carlisle's kind of player and i think it's just a matter of time before he gets an extended run here maybe it's happening right now uh another player to keep an eye out is for is andre case he is also produced in a new turn as right wing on that same line across from from uh, richie and uh, they're flanking adam henrique at center is a pretty good playmaker so i like the makeup of that line you got a, a good skater a and finisher in case you got Henrik, a playmaker and the tough guy who has a little bit of a touch in Nick Ritchie. So I think that could be a good unit to watch for and they'll avoid the first line checking that goes to the Getzlaff unit every night. So they're hopeful of getting one of their two offensive defensemen back too. Uh, Hampus Lindholm should be back in the lineup for them on the blue line. That's all good news in Anaheim. Yeah, the one kind of weird uh, situation, in, in my opinion, is they just sent Maxime Comtois back to the back to juniors, but they did it after he played his tenth game already, so uh, not eligible for for that slide contract. So they they burned a year um, by one game. It, it was kind of uh, I saw that over the weekend that he he got you know the holiday weekend down here in the U.S. Uh, that he got sent down to juniors. And it, it was kind of uh, confusing to me. I mean, 
if you're already going to burn the contract, I, I feel like maybe he would have been better suited in the AHL. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, maybe they're not as concerned about the contract years, uh, as teams have been in the past, but it was just a, an interesting situation to me in Arizona. This team is now sliding below 500 and they made a trade with Chicago. We'll go break it down a little bit later. It's a sub- subject of a rant uh, that I want to get into with you, but, uh, the details are on the surface. Dylan Strom and Brendan Perlini to Chicago for Nick Schmaltz. And uh, so two-for-one deal, young guys that uh, were all first-round draft picks. In uh, Schmaltz's case, his arrival in Arizona is touted as a chance for him to see first-line duty there. And, I mean, he's bounced around uh, first three lines in Chicago in his career, so we'll see if they can stick to one spot for him for a while and give him a good tryout there. Uh, They did receive some other positive news about Jason Demers. It was originally thought that his knee injury may uh, jeopardize his whole season, but they expect him to be back at some point down the line, and at the very least, he could be trade bait at the deadline if uh, they choose to move him. But he's a pretty good puck-moving defenseman who could help them over here as well. Let's also talk about the fact that the goalie situation is in flux here, AJ, with Antti Ranta looking rather unimpressive in his two starts last week. Darcy Kemper is also nicked up, and that means Aiden Hill has been up with the big club, and he could get a look at some point this week. I, I think they really have to consider taking a look at Hill just because, as you mentioned, Ranta's numbers have been so bad. Ranta's supposedly dealing with kind of a minor thing. You know, Rick Tockett called it uh, a maintenance day for him yesterday, but uh, obviously it was concerning enough for him to label, uh, you know, Ranta day to day as well. I think the other concern I have with this team is the lack of offensive production from the blue line. I mean, they brought in, uh, you want to talk about trades with uh, Chicago, they brought in. Nicholas Jarmusen uh, to to add you know uh, offensive firepower to that blue line. He had just nine points, only played in 48 games last year. Uh, he's got just one assist through 22 games this year, so he's not getting it done. Chisharin is still working his way back from from injury, but he's got just one assist in his first four games. You know they were supposed to add pieces around. Oliver Ekman Larson and and really it just hasn't happened now he's still doing okay he's got 12 points in 22 games decent numbers for him but um, they just don't have anybody that can put in uh, you know pucks on that that blue line and I think maybe that should have been what they were looking for in terms of you know a trade. The Boston Bruins are up next in our analyses. They're six games over 500. They dropped one last night in Toronto, but this team's been decimated on the back end. They're without three of the regular blue liners as Chara, Carlo, and McAvoy are all at a lineup, but the latter two guys, I understand, could be rejoining the team soon. It's left Troy, Tory Krug uh, the burden of a huge load in terms of carrying the offense from the back end, and uh, so far he's managing, but boy, oh boy, you don't want to see him break down too, at least uh, get the whole group intact would be nice to see what they look like at that point but they're still one of the top teams in the league largely on the strength of David Pasternak continuing to score like crazy he got two goals last night and he's locked into a a cap hit of 6.6 million dollars a refreshing take from him too in these times AJ before the game he was obviously asked about Willie Nylander's situation and he says look from my own perspective I'm 22 23 years old I never dreamed I'd be making this kind of money and the alternative might have been me playing if I decided to hold out. I could be playing for a couple of hundred thousand dollars a month back home. This is a much better circumstance for me. That's all, I, that's all he chose to say on the subject. But I think it was really something that resonated with me. 
I think it's impressive, honestly, how, how well this team has been doing, you know, they're, they're fourth in the Atlantic right now. Um, they do have, you know, they're four points back of, of Toronto and Buffalo five back of Tampa Bay. And that's without, as you mentioned, that blue line has been banged up. Patrice Berger on his sideline right now. And so they seem to be kind of ticking along, uh, kind of holding their own. And like you said, a lot of that is on the back of David Pasternak, but Brad Monchant, uh, David Krejci, a couple other guys that have been producing as well. Obviously, um, the concern there with Krejci, the assists are, are plentiful. He's got 17 through the first 24 games, but just two goals. So you'd like to see that number pick up a little bit. Um, but the team teams, uh, is doing this well. Now imagine what they'll look like if you know, once they get Bergeron and, and that blue line healthy. Well, look at what's going on in Buffalo, AJ. They're now 16-6-2. They were 4-0 last week, extending the current win streak to nine games. Outstanding numbers all across the board. And uh, one of the big highlights here is Jeff Skinner, who was considered an afterthought in free agency when he signed here. He, he's among the free agent, the uh, leading scorers in the NHL with 18 tallies already. And he scored as many as 37 goals in this league. So you know that he's capable of it. But he's going to smash that mark if he keeps this up. He's headed to be a free agent again after signing a one-year deal, he's on a 5.725 million cap hit this year. Boy, if he continues to pile up the numbers, I can see him uh, asking for eight or nine million at the end of the year. And I wonder it'll be quite a bidding war uh, for Buffalo to try to hold on to this guy who's really proved himself so far. On the blue line, Rasmus Dahlin continues to pile po- pile up points with seven in his last eight. On the blue line, though, at the Sabres, it's also worth noting Rasmus Ristolainen is a guy who was their linchpin back there, AJ, but he's got company now, and the two of them both have 13 points, so it's a a pretty nice luxury to have two quality rear guards that they could turn to. Yeah, and you have to talk about the net mining here as well. Uh, I would... I would argue that Carter Hart, uh, Carter Hutton rather has had maybe one uh, bad outing during this seven game win streak. I uh, gave up four goals to the Penguins, but uh, the team was able to provide him enough offense uh, to be able to get the win as well. You know, and so he's just been phenomenal. His goals against average during this stretch, 1.98 with a point nine three four save percentage so uh, plenty of heavy workload nights you know the penguins put 40 shots on him vancouver put 39 so uh it's not like he's not seeing pucks during the stretch either and so you know paul you mentioned the cap situation here obviously they get the benefit casey middlestad is still on his uh elc rasmus Dahlin, same thing but look at the deal they gave carter hutton uh paying him 2.7 my 2.75 million for the next three years and so they're getting uh way above the quality of net mining uh that they're paying for there and they they're i mean they're investing less three point uh 3.5 million total in their goalies i believe that's uh half of what the golden knights are paying mark andre Fleury right now and so you got to hit some home runs at the at the salary cap table and you can't afford too many mistakes so great for you to point that out as part of the success in the Buffalo circumstance. In Calgary, uh, we're talking about the defense, at least from my perspective. There's been a shuffle of the defensive complement that has seen the Flames introduce Oliver Killington into the mix. This guy was a former second-round pick from the 2015 draft, a very high offensive upside. He's now on the second D pairing next to Travis Hamannuk for his, uh, for his part, a pretty uh, defensive-minded defenseman. So good insulation for Killington there to try his offensive game out. He has a chance to show that upside in this mix. Uh, f- 
for a team that's scoring a lot of goals right now, that that's good news. Noah Hannafin, another recent high draft by Cal- Carolina originally, is enjoying one of his most productive runs as a pro. We've been waiting on this. Two goals and four assists in his last five games. If he can keep anything up resembling that, it just bolsters uh, the depth in the Calgary circumstance once again. Well, I hate to go back to the well, but we do have to keep talking about James Neal. His goalless stretch is up to 10 games now, uh, picked up an assist in his most recent outing, uh, and that's his only point over the last 10 games. So he had a nine-game uh, pointless streak still in that goal drought, uh, and that's just not going to be good enough. Another player that I've kind of been disappointed with this season that I was high on to start was Dylan Dube. I thought there'd be significantly more production from the 20-year-old. Now he does have a goal and an assist in their last three games, so maybe he's starting to adjust to the speed of the game there. But uh, his his minutes are down, uh, and he just hasn't really produced as much as I kind of thought he would. Uh, one thing that I'm not surprised with is I think at this point it's obvious to say uh, David Rich is the starter here in Calgary, uh, has clearly outplayed uh, Mike Smith, even his – his uh, one uh, loss in the last couple of games. So he's got one loss in his last 11 and he only gave up two goals in that game. So obviously that's, that's down to the net mining on the other side uh, in the lack of offense there. So I really think uh, it's pretty clear that he's taken over there and, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens with Mike Smith. Do they try and move him at the deadline? Do they let him just sit as the backup there and so it, it kind of an interesting situation to watch he's not going to be under contract this is the last year of mike smith's deal so uh, a big load to carry 5.6 million so they might have to retain salary if they're going to move him but uh, it's definitely something to uh, to monitor yeah they've certainly looked like they found the next one there in carolina rookie andrei svechnikov is getting more playing time aj as a top six forward in recent weeks this guy's picked up five points in his last six games along with a nice plus three rating the goalie mix is a bit of a muddle though we've touched on it before but it bears discussing that curtis mcelenny a 35 year old uh, backup guy most of his career and a waiver claim pickup earlier this season he's clearly outplayed scott darling and peter Morazic, two other pl- uh, goalies who carolina really hoped would solidify their uh, net mining circumstance for not only this year but years to come three active goalies on a roster isn't sustainable and the fact that the cheapest and most veteran of the three is the best one is is a concern something has to give here yeah, I can't imagine they're going to continue holding on to all three for much longer, especially when you're starting to pick up some bumps and bruises. They got Hayden Flurry dealing with a, a concussion. Valentin Zykov is injured as well. And so they're running out of space. Now, obviously, if those guys are going to be out long term, they can use IR uh, to try and you know give themselves some flexibility there. But I just don't think uh, that really, I mean, maybe even today, to be perfectly honest with you, they don't have an extra defenseman in case somebody were to get banged up during warmups. They don't have an extra forward right now, uh, depending on the health of those two guys. And so it's possible that they make some sort of move today in order to, to bring somebody in. In Chicago, AJ, not only do they make that deal, but they have to be looking very closely at Corey Crawford. Uh, following the best week that he had this season, he went and regressed again, allowing eight goals in two starts last week. Cam Ward has been a big disappointment. We've talked about him. He's sporting a 383 goals against and an 89% save percentage in in his 10 appearances. So the goaltending situation problem over here too. On offense, the big names are certainly delivering the goods, but it's the secondary scoring that's lacking. Consider this, that after the top four scorers, no one has more than three goals on this roster. Schmaltz, now dealt to Arizona, and Anisimov 
were two players they were counting on, but they had neither one got going. Now we'll see if Schmaltz uh, does better in Arizona, and uh, the, the imports that they get from the Coyotes will, might help the situation. Meanwhile, Chris Kunitz, a guy that you're familiar with, but he's getting a little long in the tooth. Only two, po- two assists in 20 games. I think he's done, it's safe to say. I see Perlini and Strom getting a real good look here to prove themselves as at least bottom six forwards, and maybe one of them gets a shot at a scoring role. Again, I say we'll break that down a little later. Watch for the pairing of Strom and Debrinkat, though. They played junior together at Erie. Yeah, I have to say I was always surprised about the signing of Chris Kunis by Chicago. Uh, And then not necessarily totally shocked. I I thought there'd be a spot for him, but not in a fourth line kind of role. I mean, if you want veteran leadership, if you're looking uh, for a guy to just go out and maybe dish out some hits, I, I guess that works. But you look at his career, the last several seasons that he's had solid production is when he's been playing alongside Sidney Crosby. And so I thought maybe they would take a look at him with, with Taves or, or Kane in, in some sort of capacity there. And that's when he's kind of played his best hockey the last couple of years. And they haven't used him in that role at all. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that signing really just doesn't make sense to me. The other thing is, you know, with the new coach there, they've been moving things around. Looks like Taves and Kane are going to be split up to try and address that issue that you brought out about uh, scoring. So John Hayden's a player to maybe look at. He's going to play with Saad and Taves tonight. Uh, likely to, I'd check back on that, but John Hayden appears to be the guy playing on that right wing. So that gives him uh, possibly some fantasy value tonight. Uh, in Colorado, we've talked about a prolific offense leading them to their solid start. They get another boost from one G- JT Comfer, AJ. He returned to lineup recently with three goals in his last two games. He now has six goals and one assist in seven games that he's played so far this season. With a strong right-wing complement, it's hard to imagine how he moves up into a top-six role, though, so don't overplay him just yet until that gets sorted out. On the back line... We talk about Tyson Berry a lot when we talk about this team. He continues to score eight points in his last seven games, but they're getting next to no production from the rest of this blue line as guys like Eric Johnson and Samuel Girard have combined for one point in, in that same last several games, and uh, they've been held in check, to say the least. Well, one player who seems to be held in check almost every other night <laughs> is Alex Kerfoot. Uh, you know, this is a bust Uh, or break kind of season that he's having right now one assist in his last game no points and one before that three assists the game before that two with no uh no play uh, points and then a two-point game as well so kind of have to pick your spots here with Kerfoot and there's really doesn't seem to be a whole lot of method to the madness here no points against Arizona who you would think would be an easier team to score against no points against uh, Anaheim but two against Boston uh, you know picked up a goal against Edmonton and so there's kind of some inconsistencies there it's hard to really pick out but if you're going to utilize them uh, it's definitely going to be boom or bust for you. Well, I got a couple of looks at Columbus last week, AJ, and I reminded how tough a team this is to play against when they've got their physical game going. Not too many teams can match up that way. It's a speed game, we know, but this team can combine that with some toughness. On the back end, Ryan Murray is looking suddenly like a defenseman who's poised for a breakout campaign. Already tallying 13 points that surpasses his total in each of the last two seasons in fact and he was doing it with the number one pairing with Seth Jones they've broken him up now and he's on a second pairing so we'll see if he can hold on to that that level of play and output Uh, 
Felino is back at the left wing on the second line, which is, I think, uh, the home that he has to stay on. He's been moved around a lot in the last couple of years, but but uh, I, I think that one thing is a concern is uh, his 15% shooting percentage. I wonder if that's sustainable, AJ. It seems a little bit high for him, but he's getting power play looks, and maybe that uh, accounts for part of the, the spike that we're seeing. He's also back to a pairing with Boone Jenner, who himself is enjoying a very heavy workload of late. Consider that the big center... A playmaker is earning nearly 20 minutes a game. You can't say that about too many forwards. He's doing so consistently in the last two weeks. Yeah, they really have been riding those those top two lines heavily. Uh, and the same, uh, pretty much everything that you said can be said of Cam Atkinson. Uh, you look at his last eight games, he's averaging 19.42 per game. His shooting percentage is 27.3. Uh, he's got 14 points in those eight games, riding you know a point uh, uh, eight game scoring streak there. Three of his goals have come on the power play as well. Uh, and so really these top two lines are seeing a significant chunk of the ice time. And so that's something to consider, you know, when you're looking, uh, this is a team I would probably avoid going those, those bottom six guys because they're just not seeing the same level of minutes as, as the top six here. Now you could also find kind of mid range value on some of these top, uh, you know, top six guys that might not cost you as much as some of the star names that are out there. And in Dallas, we're going to talk a, look, a little bit about a few guys here that uh, some are up, some are down. But it's worth noting off the top that Devin Shore is back in action at right wing. This guy was on fire early in the year before he got hurt. He collected two points uh, last week in his return. So keep an eye on him and see if he can hold on to the top six minutes. One guy who's let them down again is Valery Nichushkin, though. That experiment, uh, I'm going to declare it a bust uh, once again, as he only has four assists in 19 games, AJ. And he's now been relegated to left wing three role. And uh, could see him go to fourth line status if he doesn't contribute uh, anything more than just heavy breathing right now. Gavin, <laughs> Kevin Bayreuther has taken advantage of an opportunity to fill in on a de- de- depleted defense core. He's collected two points in his five games, six total games this year. This guy's already earning power play time and up around 20, mi- 20 minutes a game while showing off those offensive skills. If they can insert him in there, it will take some of the pressure off the uh, lone big point scorer on the blue line there. So they need some help back there in that regard, and maybe Bayreuther's the answer. Well, you talk about a banged up blue line. Uh, this is almost worse than Boston. You know, if I told you their top pairing was going to be Essa Lindell and Miro Heiskanen, <laughs> followed by Gavin Bayruth and Roman Polak, you'd have probably said who for a lot of that. Uh, you've got Mathot, Carrick, Johns, and Klingberg all on IR. Uh, Taylor Fadoon is up in the NHL again. Uh, Really, you want to talk about a guy that was somewhat of a bust. He really never panned out in Buffalo the last couple of years uh, and just hasn't been able to break his way into the NHL. So this probably uh, one of his last opportunities here if he's going to make an impact at the NHL level. But they're going to need to get healthy if they want to sustain uh, where they're going. That one and three record the last week, I think, is indicative of the lack of, uh, you know, depth on that, that blue line. In Detroit, they're one game under 500. I'm surprised I'm saying that this late in the season. The key element to their surprising competitive play 
it had been their defensive success before last night's high-scoring loss to Columbus. I believe it was a 7-5 loss. Uh, particularly, though, they have to be pleased with the outstanding work of Jimmy Howard, who is sporting a 255 goals against a 924 save percentage at the moment. Offensively, Andreas Athanasiu has been on fire. There's no no other word to describe a guy who's got six goals, three assists in his last eight games played since coming off the IR. He's working alongside Nyquist and Franz Nielsen on a pretty effective uh, grouping there the the latter two have combined for 26 assists but they only have two goals leaving the scoring up goal scoring up to Athanasiu I'd like to see a little more balance that way another guy to keep an eye on is Anthony Manta also on a nice streak with six goals and three assists in his last nine games so some of the youngsters are really firing right now in Detroit yeah and if you bought high on uh, Michael Rasmussen that has not panned out the last week uh, he had been on a, a three-game goal streak while he's uh, pointless in his last four, and that's seen him bump down to the third line, and I think that's probably where he'll finish out the season. You know, injuries obviously will be a factor, but for the most part, I see him in a bottom six role. One guy I didn't anticipate being in a bottom six role was Thomas Vanek. Uh, he is back, uh, you know, from injury, has played in the last four games, picked up two assists, but he doesn't, uh, you know, hasn't scored I think his last goal here, let me take a look, came October 20th. So it's been more than a month since he's put one into the back of the net. Now, obviously, you do have to factor in that eight-game absence due to injury, but uh, it's definitely a concern to see that lack of production uh, from Vanek. You you were obviously hoping when he re-signed that he'd take on a top-six role and rediscover that uh, scoring touch. AJ, in Edmonton, I'm intrigued by the the deal that didn't get a lot of play in the media they acquired chris weidman from ottawa for a six-round pick look this guy's a mobile defenseman who should challenge for ice time on the second power play unit over here and with the offensive firepower others can throw out that could be good news for for people that are looking for a defenseman to plug into their rosters playing in the up-tempo Oilers style could certainly translate to his scoring totals as a top 4d man it's up to him to take advantage of this opportunity so certainly a guy worth taking a a look at right now a forward who may qualify in the same way as drake kajula has four points in his last six games he's moved up to the second left wing role and getting bigger minutes here Uh, recently also they acquired uh, ryan spooner Uh, he lines up on uh, mcdavid's left wing for now keep an eye on those two slots uh, to see who produces there there could even be some more juggling beyond that absolutely i think the left wing side there is is totally fluid and honestly they may you know move leon dreisaitl back and and switch him and ryan nugent hopkins um basically they're just throwing any kind of line combination at the wall and seeing what sticks i think the interesting part of the wideman acquisition is the fact that in my opinion it indicates that they aren't getting what they thought they were when they signed jason garrison now he's 34 years old so uh seems like he maybe lost a step and they didn't pay a lot to get him just you know 650,000 this year so it's not breaking the bank but I think he was kind of expected to be uh, a little bit of that mobile puck moving defenseman for them and it just hasn't panned out Uh, and really from this blue line outside of Oscar Clefbaum I've I've been a little disappointed Uh, but even Clefbaum doesn't have any goals this year and so that's obviously a concern I would expect them to maybe try and address this more I don't think this is the last trade for a defenseman that we're going to see out of Edmonton this year 
In Florida, this team is treading water at 500, but in a tough Atlantic division, that's nowhere near close to good, being good enough. They were 2-2 two and two last week. The defense, defensive structure really appears to have fallen apart as they've allowed 32 goals against in their last six games. That's over five a game, if I do my quick math. To make matters worse, Roberto Luongo may be experiencing a recur- recurrence of the knee injury that already cost him nine games earlier this season. That means a bit of a load, bigger load for James Reimer, and he hasn't handled it very well, to be quite frank. On the blue line, Keith Yandel continues to far outperform all his peers on defense with 20 points in 22 games played, with, uh, with the rest of them really not, not contributing much at all, and that includes Aaron Ekblad. With a rash of injuries at forward, Michael Haley and Dryden Hunt have been brought up, but both are being limited to bottom six roles. You mentioned a fluid forward situation. It certainly is the case here. The one bright light offensively is one of their big guns, Jonathan Huberdeau, leading the offense last week with seven points over his last four games. Well, so with the injury to Luongo, I originally thought maybe we'd get a chance to look at Michael Hutchinson, but you look at his numbers in the minors this year. Now he's only played four games, but he's one, two, and one with a 3.48 goals against average uh, in his four games with the Panthers. It's, it's actually worse. He's one, one, and two with a 4.17 goals against average. So I don't really think they have an answer. It's going to be Reimer or bust for them uh, until Luongo is healthy. And so far it's been all bust. In Los Angeles, you talk about the same word applies here. They're 8-14-1, and 2-2 two and two in the past week. The lack of scoring here is best viewed, though, through the lens of their top three offensive-minded defensemen, Doughty, Muzzin, and Martinez, all of whom are down from career norms. This is a club that generates much of its offense from the back end on the rush, AJ but it's just not happening right now. Up front, they're leaning on three 30-plus forwards, Brown, Kovalchuk, and Kopitar, who uh, the latter two have really had their struggles. In fact, Kopitar has found himself, uh, Kovalchuk has dropped into the coach's doghouse, only playing six minutes and 20 seconds in the last game that he has stepped into. Uh, Tyler Toffoli's been the last of the, best of the lot, uh, best of the rest, but he's nowhere near the form that he showed in the last couple of years either. The only positive news, and it is big news, is Jonathan Quick will soon be ready to take back the top goalie role here, and it's hoped that his re- return sparks the rest of this lineup. They need something good, good to happen in that way. Well, you want to talk about additional bad news. They make the move to flop Tanner Pearson for Carl Hagelin, and Hagelin picks up uh, an MCL sprain. He's going to be on IR uh, here, probably going to miss a, a good chunk of time there. Meanwhile, you know, we can talk about this more, but meanwhile, Pearson uh, seems to be adjusting well to life in the Berg. But, uh, yeah, obviously it starts and stops with Jonathan Quick. Getting him available and, and ready to go uh, will be the key to this team. And I think what will help there is quick is good enough between the pipes to make up for some of the lacking uh, in the rest of this lineup. And he'll he'll make saves that he shouldn't make uh, and he'll he'll give them, you know, a chance to not be, you know, to make more mistakes. And that's just not something they're getting from their current goalie tandem. Minnesota's a team that, quite frankly, frankly has surprised me, AJ. They're 14-7-2. They were 2-0 and last week in a light schedule. First update in, injury-wise here in a while, Devin Dubnik was, is dealing with an illness that impacted him last week. That's the extent of it, AJ, and he'll be back in the lineup. I kind of say that kind of tongue-in-cheek. Alex Stalock filled in admirably, earning his fourth and fifth wins, though, last in his, and has five wins in his last seven de- decisions, uh, uh, looking good in those two starts. But in all seriousness, uh, it looks like the, the goaltending situation will be stabilized furthermore by the return of Dubnik. 
he'll be good to go in their next game tonight against Arizona, I'm sure. It seems like I'm not the only one who's tired of touting Nino Niederreiter offensively, though. He's now been relegated to fourth-line minutes in Minnesota. I think this guy's running out of chances here, and uh, he could be ticketed out of town uh, at this point. Charlie Coyle is the winger who has moved up to play top six minutes again. He's held that role for long stretches before, and I, I see big things for him because they've got two fine centers there that he can play with. Well, this move makes no sense to me, and it has to be defensive, defensively minded. I mean, you look at Niederreiter's last five games. He's got four points over that stretch. His power play uh, minutes were just under three per game, and so two of those four points came with a man advantage. Now, that's not to say they can't still put him on the ice uh, in a fourth-line role and on the power play. They certainly can, but to flip him uh, for Charlie Coyle, who I think has underperformed uh, much of uh, his time in Minnesota, uh, you know, eight, uh, 11 points in 23 games, uh, but that's just one assist in his last four outings. Uh, and so, like I said, maybe maybe it's a, a chance to get Coyle going. Maybe that's the, the move here. But overall, I think Nito, Nito Rider needs to be in a top six role. And I actually think he's been playing pretty well lately. In Montreal, this team is, uh, took a bit of a nosedive last week, 0-2-2 in their last four games. But the big news there is Shea Weber returns to the, to the lineup, possibly even tonight, to bolster that defense. And uh, Carey Price couldn't be happier, though his struggles continue. He's allowed 13 goals against in his last three uh, appearances to continue a dreadful start for one of the league's uh, most highly regarded netminders. Since being installed as a right-wing number one, Andrew Shaw has been a real nice surprise here. 11 points in nine games played, adding a lot of grit to that team. And his shots on goal rate is approaching three per game. So those are good, sustainable numbers here for a guy that has never really been that kind of a scorer. He's just found himself in an excellent circumstance. In addition to Shea Weber news, Brett Kulak made his debut on the blue line, and they will have a surplus uh, on that back end. And uh, that'll be something to watch for. And you might see a reduction in power play time for one uh, Petrie there who's been holding on holding the fort on the blue line Jeff Petrie uh, to make room for Weber's return also Kyle Alsner and his 5.625 annual cap hit through the 21-22 season doesn't look like a good deal right now and he's on waivers AJ no it definitely doesn't but I I would be shocked if he passes all the way through now I get that contract is is cost prohibitive but there's a number of teams who could use a little help uh, on the blue line here. Uh, we talked about Arizona having problems. Uh, they could certainly fit him in. The Flyers, I, I don't think it would hurt them to take a look. Uh, if you factor in LTIR, Edmonton might be able to squeeze uh, him in as well. So um, I, I really would be surprised if he made it all the way through. Um, but if he does, I think it's 100% because of that cap hit. Uh, I don't think it's reflective of, of necessarily his production. And I think that's what we heard from the, the, you know, the front office yesterday was that they moved him over some of the other guys because they felt like there were young talents uh, that they didn't have to pay much that would get snatched off the waiver wire, whereas Alsner's uh, contract makes it unlikely. But but I still think somebody will try and fit him in somewhere. Over in Nashville, they're still rocking and rolling with, now with a 17-6-1 record, 3-1 and one last week. Uh, bad news here is that Kyle Tourist joined the IR with an upper body injury. There's no timetable for his return, so he moves into that group that now includes him, Arvidsson, and Subban, three key parts. Yet they keep chugging along a lot, a, a, atop the league standings, AJ. Kali Yarncroft moved into uh, 
Torres' role at center, but was scoreless last week between Smith and Fiala. He'll continue to get that spot uh, in in the hopes that it can uh, revive his scoring ability. He has been proven in the past, but uh, they hope that the news is not serious on their number two pivot. Austin Watson made good on his opportunity as a first-line right wing in the last six games. This guy's got four goals and two assists. They've been trying a few other people out. This guy missed the first six weeks of the season, so maybe he they've been waiting for him all along, but uh, he's right in there right now and uh, pretty good sneaky value in DFS play. Be mindful, though, that his scoring rate's really high. He's hitting on 28.6% of his shots, and I just don't believe that anything like that is sustainable long-term. I think the fact that Kelly Yarnrock slotted into that second-line center role speaks to uh, what they think of Nick Benino, to be perfectly blunt about it. You know, when he first came into Nashville, he was supposed to be the answer to, to the second-line uh, center role. And that was something that, you know, it seemed like he wanted as well. He wasn't going to be top six center in Pittsburgh. Uh, That's just not available for anybody. Uh, And so he was brought in for that. It didn't work out. They made the move to bring in Kyle Terrace. And now that Terrace gets hurt, they try somebody else in that role. I think it just speaks uh, to what they feel they have in Nick Benino. Now, I I love what he does on the ice. I think he's a great player, um, but it's clear that he's not a top six guy and is better suited for that that bottom six role. And in New Jersey, AJ, they got good news. Sammy Vatten and their top offensive blue liner came back a lot quicker from uh, his, his uh, missing the lineup. He got three points in three games since returning to the group again last week. Igor Yakolev, a young up-and-comer on the blue line, seems intent on moving up the depth chart, too. He's playing almost 20 minutes a game in two of his last three starts while collecting a pair of assists. They need some offensive help uh, behind Vatnan on the blue line. Maybe this is the guy. Uh, up front, after, after a very slow start, Blake Colin, Coleman has found a groove as a second line left wing. He's got 10 points in his last 11 games. Another sneaky good value in terms of DFS possibilities. You hit the nail on the head in terms of lack of offense from that blue line. And I think the answer was supposed to be Will Butcher. Um, You know, he had a a great first year last year, 44 points in 81 games. Uh, The sophomore slump seems to have hit him pretty hard. Just eight points this year. And uh, his last 11 games, just one assist. Uh, And so simply not good enough for him. And that's despite logging over two minutes of ice time per game on the power play uh, over those last 11 games. So it's not like he's not getting opportunities. Uh, And so I really think that, uh, yeah, to your point, Yakolov is going to get a shot here to maybe add something there. But they really need somebody other than Sammy Vatanen to step in. Uh, New York Islanders 2-2 two and two last week. They're three games over 500 at this stage. A couple of weeks ago, I touted one Valtteri Filpula as a player to watch. He surprised me, though. I, I spoke in, in terms of him waiting for a top six role to open up to show off his skills. Instead, he sparked the third line with eight points in his last seven games, and he's also formed a very nice partnership with ex-Leaf Leo Komarov, who's off to one of his uh, better offensive uh, turns in the last little while, six points in his last seven games. In the Nets, Thomas Grice has started six of his last of the last seven games here to gain a little separation over Robin Lehner, who was highlighted in the offseason as a key acquisition that really hasn't panned out to the extent that I thought he might. Well, I'm not totally surprised uh, that, that Lerner has struggled. I think we saw that in most of his previous stops, but I, I have been impressed with Thomas Grice. 
you know, he kind of career backup up to this point and really seems to be taking advantage of this opportunity right now. You know, you look at Lerner's last four starts, um, he's 03 and 0 with a 4.01 goals against average. And that's it's clear why Grice is getting more looks. Um, I think there's still an opportunity here. I think if Grice stumbles, uh, they're pre- kind of signed learner to fill in that role on a more long-term basis. And so I do think if Grice stumbles here at any point, they'll probably go back to learner. But uh, as of right now, I don't see any reason to change it up. Well, and over on in the New York Rangers, I, you and I agreed on this in the offseason. We wondered why would Henrik Lundqvist want to stick around here on a team that wasn't really going anywhere. Well, they've surprised everybody with a record that's three games above 500, three and two over the last eight days is the record and Lundqvist is a key reason why he's allowed only eight goals over his last four starts to help this surprising club off to that nice run that they're enjoying up front I also note that Kevin Hayes this guy's a giant and he's a pretty good playmaker he's six foot five and he's got some really good hands and he's displaying all kinds of good attributes here with his playmaking ability uh, moved him up to the depth up the depth chart uh, of course there's a number of injuries here so when they get all hands on deck it'll be interesting to see if they can even do better than what they've done so far one of those injuries is is going to be my mini mini early rant uh in the show here uh, i think they've mismanaged matt zuccarello right now you know he's tried to come back twice and in those games they let him play 17 minutes, 15 minutes, uh, and I just don't think it makes a lot of sense. I think they need to consider shutting him down and letting him get to back to fully healthy. I mean, he really hasn't impacted either of those games. No points in either outing, a minus five in combined in those two contests. And so clearly he's not 100%. And I think continuing to put him out on the ice is only serving to prolong how much, uh, you know, how uh, – long this this injury is going to continue to bother him i think they need to really consider just shutting him down letting him get fully healthy you know this is supposed to be a rebuild anyway so it's not like you're losing anything henrik lundquist is already carrying the load here so let this guy get healthy and then maybe worry about being a playoff team with the Ottawa Senators, boy, this is a ship that's sinking, AJ. They're 9-12-3 uh, on the heels of an 0-4 week, uh, looking like they're really struggling. And it was a week where the franchise and ownership was getting as many he- headlines for dealing with setbacks in a new arena deal. So nothing really positive here to report. We'll try and find some tidbits for you, though. The club allowed 23 goals in those four games, so the defensive structure's kind of fallen apart. We talked about youngsters though Tachuk and Shabbat they continue to fly in the face of all these troubles and chug along with lots of offense from them Matt Duchesne now has 30 points in 24 games really enjoying his time in Ottawa somehow despite some of these off-season off-ice issues Uh, these are the offensive headliners in an otherwise poor start for the club though I want to also highlight one more guy Colin White who's emerged as a number two center uh, as a cheap value play in DFS this guy's got 14 points in 23 games I love the winger situation though for him with Stone and uh, Kachuk flanking him right now well, you did talk about some of the, the diamonds in the rough, so I'll feel free to hit some of the bad as well. You know, Drake Batherson was, you know, the second coming of, of uh, you know, Connor McDavid for a second there. Everybody's super high on him. Uh, no points in his last three games. This is a 20-year-old 
kid making his NHL debut. Like you have to expect these things. The fact that he scored five points in his first three games, he wasn't going to continue at that rate. And so I think, you know, tempering expectations kind of needs to happen here. I think one indication that it's not all roses with him is his ice time in his last game, just 10, 10, uh, and that included a minute and a half on the power play. So really not on the ice for a lot of five and five didn't put any shots on goal. And I think that's a little more consistent with what we're going to see a hot start. You know, a lot of people bought high, but I think you're going to regret taking, you know, taking that approach uh, so early on a youngster. Now, granted, if you're in a dynasty league keeper league, I think if you got him good on you long term, I think he, you know, makes sense. But if you're looking at, you know, a redraft league, uh, you may have jumped the gun on this one. In Philadelphia, we talked about the general manager change. Uh, it's largely centered around the goaltending circus there, and it continues. Anthony Stollers was promoted from the AHL last week, and we said that makes five goalies who's already appeared in the Flyers' net so far this early season. He should get the next start or two this week after relieving Callum Pickard, who was blown out in a return to Toronto on the weekend. The only two healthy netminders here after the latter was shelled, like I said, against the Leafs on Saturday. I want to watch uh, up front Jordan Wheel as the center between JVR and Wayne Simmons now. That's a pretty good landing spot for a guy who has some offensive skill. He picked up two points in his last three games played with increased playing time in that uh, period. Off the ice, uh, we're looking for that next GM. I wonder if we'll hear news during the rest of this podcast. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little too soon. I I expect them to take their time with this. They're not competing against anybody else right now in terms of trying to find uh, and hire somebody. So I think they're going to take their time, although you never know if they had somebody in mind, they might pull the trigger right away. Um, And I'm going to keep calling to see Anthony Stolarts in the nets. You know, you talked about that, that shelling the other day. He gave up just two goals on on 35 shots uh, in the in the relief appearance against Toronto. You know, two goals on 35 shots against the Maple Leafs isn't all that bad. Uh, His numbers in the minors aren't, you know, they're not going to wow you, but they're decent enough. 18 wins, nine losses, uh, you know, a couple years ago with Lehigh Valley. 2.92 2.92 uh, goals against average so that is a little up there but I I really want to see Anthony Stolarz get a shot uh, and certainly you know if if they're not willing to do it if Carter Hart's the guy of the future then you know some other team needs to come in and make them an offer to snatch up Stolarz because I'm definitely high on this guy and think he could be a solid netminder for an NHL team. And with the Pittsburgh Penguins, before we get specific to players, I want to make a general comment. When I look at the goalie game logs here, AJ, it reveals a bit of an issue for me as the Pens are allowing upwards of 35 to 45 shots on goal with great regularity over the last couple of weeks. That's not the way you want to introduce a player of young goalies into their new roles here. Yet Casey DeSmith and Tristan Jerry are certainly holding up their end of the deal for now. You also mentioned Tanner Pearson has caught fire in his new digs. The guy's got three goals and an assist in his last four games played, playing with Malcolm and Kessel that's a pretty good situation for him yeah absolutely Uh, you know the concern obviously for the team right now is Patrick Hornquist uh, is is dealing with a concussion uh, and so that's going to shuffle things around the one silver lining there is that they'll actually get to utilize Daniel Sprong Uh, haven't really been able to give him a chance uh, but even, you know, with Hagelin's or uh, rather Hornquist sideline, his minutes are still minimal in his last four games. His average ice time is just five minutes and 24 seconds. Uh, and so 
you know, there's definitely uh, some concerns there in terms of, you know, actually seeing him, uh, you know, if he is going to be a trade option, other teams are going to want to see what he can do on the ice and having him out there for just five minutes isn't really going to help. You know, the Murray injury is obviously a concern, but his numbers were so bad that it, it really, um, you know, maybe this is an opportunity for him to figure out everything else while he works his way back from injury, or perhaps the injury was what was causing him to play so bad. But in terms of sheer fandom, the fact that Murray is you know, out right now, isn't necessarily like, I'm not heartbroken over it because he wasn't playing well anyway. And we were seeing more of Casey DeSmith. I will continue to say that this club needs to bring in a veteran netminder to kind of help Murray get, you know, where he needs to be. His best years came when he had Marc-Andre Fleury behind him. Casey DeSmith is the oldest goalie in the in, on the team right now mm-hmm. at just 26. And so uh, I really think they need to look at bringing in a veteran, if only to be that kind of, uh, you know, sounding board for Matt Murray. In San Jose, AJ, this team went 1-1-1 one, one, and one last week. They were four games above 500 and chugging along two, uh, quietly, I might say. Thomas Hurdle returned to his left wing, the second line role, but only managed a, three shots on goal over the past week, despite a very heavy workload. Don't don't fret, though. He's, uh, he's proven in my mind, and I expect him to start contributing much more going forward. So it's too, way too early to bail on him let him get his reps in and you'll see some numbers come out of there i'm sure although we list jonas donskoy as the right wing number one i've started a uh, deeper dive aj and i note that timo meyer and and leblanc are both getting uh, more ice time and scoring more than him in the last two weeks so i could see some shuffling go on going on on the on the starboard flank yeah i i do want to talk about the evander kane situation you know that last game picked up 26 minutes of penalty time with a high sticking, a roughing, a trip, a 10 minute minor, uh, 10 minute penalty for abuse of officials and a game misconduct uh, before getting kicked out of the game. I, I think it's interesting. We haven't heard anything in terms of follow-up discipline uh, and it may not happen, but I do think, you know, there, the league needs to be careful when it comes to abusive official situations. Uh, if only because you don't want to deal with a situation where the, the referee, uh, you know, association is, is coming at you for not doing anything about it. Um, and, but on the flip side, they are going to be suiting up against Buffalo, Kane gets his chance to for a little bit of revenge here and and go back there and play against them so I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see him go off tonight in St. Louis amid the team's struggles the Blues are using Rob Thomas in a top six role at right wing over veteran options and he rewarded that faith with three points last week uh, the team struggled, though, losing three of their four tilts, it must be noted. He'll need to keep that up uh, as Patrick Maroon returned last week, and you can bet he's going to get another look. And Alex Steen should be ready to get back into game action as well. So some juggling could happen among the forward ranks when those two guys get back. On the blue line, Alex Petrangelo, the club's top-scoring defenseman, has underperformed in that role for much of the early going, but he may have turned the corner with three points in his last two games. Uh, so Petrangelo owners shouldn't fret just yet. Well, I called for Chad Johnson to get a look, uh, you know, with Jake Allen struggling. And boy, did he get a look all right. Six Mm -hmm. goals allowed on 25 shots against the Jets uh, before getting the hook. And so 10 goal that gives him a total of 10 goals allowed in his last two games. Now, granted, it was against offenses in San Jose and Winnipeg. 
who can score a lot, but that's certainly uh, not going to instill any confidence. So uh, it's going to have to be Jake Allen all the way, and he's going to need to figure out uh, what's going on there. He's got just one win in his last four outings uh, and really has underperformed six and six on the year. He needs to be better if if they're going to get to the playoffs this season. Simple enough. AJ, when uh, the Bolts lost their starting goalie Vasilevsky, I thought that Louis Domingue would be overmatched in the Nets, but boy, he's looked good in all four games that he played last week, allowing only a total of 10 goals against, putting up a 93% save percentage and winning three of those starts. So the underlying concern, though, is the high shot total, as they, too, are another top team that's giving a lot of rubber to their goalies. 35 shots a game is the average there. That's a team-wide concern. On the blue line, Victor Hedman has started slowly this season, uh, like Pietrangelo did we before. He's come off the IR recently, now has five points in his last five games, and I say it's time to use him in all formats as it looks like he's back in top form back there. Uh, conversely, young D-man Mikhail Sergachev has really struggled all season long. I know he's been a highly regarded prospect, and he got his feet wet in a good way last year, but only seven assists so far to show this season. He's def- de- still definitely worth keeping, but uh, I'd like to see something more out of him he's got too much skill for that low a point total part of the problem why they're seeing so many shots uh is the injury to anton strawman i think it's concerning that they're reevaluating him again uh it's supposed to be today they'll get another look he's already missed eight games uh due to this injury so it doesn't seem like he's going to be back anytime soon now on the good side of the injury news uh, andre palat seems like he might be ready uh as early as you know maybe tonight um may wait a little bit longer but uh definitely trending in the right direction and according to you know palat uh he's basically healthy just needs to get his conditioning up so should be back sooner rather than later uh, and that'll help their their forward ranks and we come to the Maple Leafs. They were 3-2 and two in their last eight days. Now 17-8 and eight is the record. And I want to amend, amend my dollar bet. I want to substitute Mitch Marner in there for Austin <laughs> Matthews. Look, at the beginning of the season, AJ, I predicted Marner, despite my do- the dollar bet with you, I predicted that he would lead this potent offense scoring, in scoring. And he's done exactly that. 33 points in 25 games played. Better than one primary assist per game is what he's averaging to lead the entire NHL in a stat that they're highlighting more and more in terms of the top playmakers in hockey he's proving to be a real threat every time he's on the ice and a lot of fun to watch but in his shadow Kasperi Kapanen has emerged to score uh, like crazy as well on the right wing and that's making a lot of people forget about uh, Willie Nylander and the contract impasse Uh, Kapanen for his part has four goals and one assist in his last seven games played fellow uh, fellow Eurostar in in making is Andreas Johnson he's finally been rewarded for improved play and the hat trick on Saturday was just the tip of the iceberg. I think this guy's got so much skill and it, it's only a matter of time before he too explodes offensively. I, I really think, uh, you know, the, the fact that they've gotten uh, Kapanen going is why they've been willing to let Willie Nylander sit out. Uh, and uh, the fact that they have somebody filling in this role, I think if that second line was really struggling 
Uh, and if they were having to move guys around and shuffle things up uh, for that winger uh, when Matthews was in and now with Kadri, I, I think you'd have Willie Nylander already backing with the team. But um, they're realizing maybe they don't need him as much as they thought. Um, there was a lot of speculation over the weekend that maybe yesterday was going to be the day uh, that has come uh, come and gone now with no new deal. And uh, I'm really interested to see if this actually happens, uh, that we get to Saturday and there's not a contract and, and he's done for the year. I'm not ruling out a sign and trade either. I, I think that's definitely a possibility, uh, although, you know, there's so many so much talk of like concerns on the blue line. And I just don't know that they actually need blue line help or not. Uh, I think they've got some offensive contributive. They've got some shutdown guys. You know, you obviously see this club uh, more often than I do, but uh, I, I don't really think they need to go out and trade Willie Nylander for like a big defenseman. In Vancouver, AJ, this team is one and three, and they've slipped under 500 as a result, finally snapping a, a long losing streak list this past week as they welcome back their power play quarterback, Alex Edler. That's no small uh, notion either. This guy's been a, an excellent guy on the quarterback in that unit for years and years. And I think if you're looking for sleep, uh, sleepy value, a sleeper pick on DFS play, this guy's a, this guy's a consideration. Sam Gagne up front uh, made a return to the NHL last week, being promoted from the uh, Termano Marlies on a loan situation. He earned two points in four games and is lining up at the right wing li- uh, on the first line while a number of other forwards remain sidelined. So a good opportunity for a veteran player to rediscover his game in a pretty nice circumstance. In the Nets, Jakob Markstrom's numbers are well off those of prior years with the Canucks. That's a concern, but it's also a function of the lengthy injury list here. And uh, it's... it's uh, it's too bad that they have so many guys out and one of the guys that is returning is Brock Besser he might be in ba- back in action tonight and should get a top six look as soon as as he does make the grade I think if Besser does uh, suit up tonight which it seems like it's trending uh, only further boast uh, boost my confidence in, in utilizing Elias Pettersson uh, he had a little bit of a slump there but seems to be coming out of it just fine Uh, three goals and uh, one assist in his last five games Uh, three of those points coming on the power play as well which is obviously a a little bit of a bonus there in terms of dfs so with besser back uh, i'm i'm definitely tempted to maybe utilize that entire line obviously goldobin hasn't been quite as impressive uh, at times but he's on a hot streak right now as well with six points in his last five games so maybe uh, something to look at especially if besser's healthy well, the Vegas Golden Knights are starting to get starting to look a little better than they did earlier on. Their three and one record brought them back up to the 500 mark, and they're sitting in a playoff spot as we look at the standings today. They're coming off uh, the, one of the best weeks of the season, obviously for them, highlighted by the fact that Mark Andre Fleury has consecutive shutouts in the books in his last two starts. Up front, it's a towering right winger, Alex Took who does not get the exposure that other high-profile players have received here, but I note that he's tallied, f- tallied five points in his last three games played and recorded now a point per game over the 17 starts that he's made this season. Speaking of notable players here, Max Pacioretty is qu- on quite a roll. We've seen this before. Six goals and one assist in his last five games, finally starting to get on track there, and that's the 
probably the best news that uh, the Knights could have been waiting for because they've been waiting patiently to see him get uh, to be the leader lead dog here and he's ready to take on that role it looks like on defense the pairings have also settled into familiar roles with the return of Nate Schmidt and that's brought further stability to the the defensive structure I think this team's going to be a handful the rest of the way AJ Absolutely. And uh, I was glad to see that that Thomas Nosek didn't uh, pick up any sort of significant injury uh, after that uh, that hit from from uh, Evander Kane. You know, it seemed like it it could be an issue. I think that's part of why uh, there was such a a big deal surrounding that. But Flurry obviously is the key here. Uh, Those back to back shutouts uh, got him the the second star of the week uh, from the NHL. 53 uh, career shutouts. That's third currently on the active list uh, behind Henrik Lundqvist at 63 and Roberto Luongo at 76. But well, well off uh, Marty Brodeur, who's sitting at 125 career shutouts. Uh, that's a pretty impressive number when you think of how good Flurry has been, and he's not even halfway to Marty Brodeur. In Washington, this game, this team is on a six-game win streak overall, and since his delayed return following a long suspension, Tom Wilson's been a central figure. He's gone on a personal best scoring binge, AJ, with 12 points in his first eight games played this year. Nobody saw that coming, but he's re- definitely cemented his first-line status. I'm very surprised to be saying that at this stage. Uh, in the Nets, Braden Holtby has finally started to flash his top form. I'm not surprised to say that, I'll say, because he's been really one of the best goalies in hockey for the last several years. He's limited all comers to only four goals against in his last four starts, so good for him. Brett Connolly has taken advantage of top six minutes up front. With the club still missing Kuznetsov and Oshie, Connolly's chipped in with three points in his last four games, but he's a placeholder, folks, and when the other guys get healthy, he'll be dropped down a little bit. Well, we talked a few weeks ago about whether or not uh, the NHL's deal with with MGM or or FanDuel uh, would result in more uh, transparency in terms of injuries. Uh, And I do think in this situation, every indication is that both Kuznetsov and Oshie suffered a concussion uh, in those respective uh, games, but they're still being labeled upper body injuries. No indication from the team. Now, I'm all about, you know, I think it's fair I, I said then that I don't think we necessarily need to get rid of upper and lower, but I do think there needs to be a distinction here in terms of a concussion. Um, I, I think it's important to distinguish between an upper body injury and a concussion. I, I don't think they're in the same classification. And I think it gives you a better idea of, you know, if you have, a, a, you know, an issue with your arm, obviously there's a clear Generally, there's a clear recovery timeline, whereas a concussion is much more gray. It's it's very, um, you know, the the how long somebody's going to be out differs. Obviously, the number of concussions they've had in the past. T.J. Oshie has had, I believe, four diagnosed concussions in the past. This one supposedly would be number five, um, and so. You know, I, I do think this is the one exception uh, where I think we need to get away from just calling a concussion an upper body injury. Well said, AJ, and I just hope that we see a lid on, on this kind of stuff uh, going down the road. I think it's been some careless hits and deliberate hits, too, which, which has no place in, a, in the sport. Uh, that hit on Kuznetsov was one where uh, he got a shoulder to the, to the 
speak, and I knew it was a concussion right away. There's no hiding what, what happened there. To wrap up our look around the league, we always finish up with Winnipeg. Uh, of course, we'll get into Patrick Laine's exploits in a few minutes, but last week this club gave up 17 goals in their four road games. They split them uh, because of the high-octane offense matching those goals in a lot of cases. That's way too many tallies, though, for a team that's viewed as a top contender. they got to get the defensive game in order. The fact is, though, that Connor Hellybuck has not been locked in like he has been in the past two seasons as the number one goalie. There's been some regression here as his goals against and save percentage are off his marks that he's posted uh, certainly last season by quite a margin. Brian Little is a guy that I kind of panned in pre- previous weeks, but he's got to be loving life between Liney and Co- Kyle Connor. He's got eight points in his last five games played and should be snapped up as long as he has these mates alongside, despite my preseason thoughts where I certainly did underrate him. Well, so one kind of sneaky play, especially if you're in a season long league. Now we'll see if it actually pans out in ice time. But uh, with Andrew Kopp dealing with an injury, the club recalled Mason Appleton uh, from the minors. This guy has absolutely torn up the uh, AHL since coming into the league. 66 points in 77 games last year. He's got 18 in 19 games this season. Uh, A six round pick by the Jets out of Michigan State uh, University. So not high on a lot of boards, but has absolutely dominated in in the lower levels with Manitoba. I think if he gets a look, don't be surprised to see him and Jack Roslavic flipped here. Uh, if if Appleton can adjust well, I think Roslavic has to, you know he's got just four points uh, to start the season, and and I would not be surprised to see these two guys uh, changing changing roles. And if Appleton can stick around for a while, he'll definitely be a DFS play for me as soon as Fanduel gets him added to the system and and he gets a, a spot in the lineup. I've been waiting for a college hockey reference for you for a couple of weeks now. It's, it's finally come to pass. And even make it a Michigan one. That's got to delight Detroit Red Wing fans in the home office. Boy, oh, boy, are you sucking around for, for some good vibes in, <laughs> in Rotowire's home court. <laughs> in time for our FanDuel look today, AJ, uh, we'll remind our listeners that we didn't play last week because it was a limited sl- slate. Not so much tonight, though. There's nine nine or ten games on, on the docket, AJ, a whole bunch of them in any case. Uh, We'll talk about a couple of them in a minute, but remind our listeners that over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on Can- on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, we remind you to sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. Of course, some of these contests are voided where prohibited. AJ, there's a huge slate of action here. A uh, number of games, apart from the Pittsburgh-Winnipeg game, which should <laughs> be a great one, which I'll be watching for sure. Are there any others that catch your fancy? Uh, Evander Kane heading back to Buffalo, I think, is an intriguing matchup. Uh, Colorado Nashville with uh, those those offenses uh, offenses squaring off, I, I think, is another kind of intriguing one. And obviously, if you you know want to tune in, you can see Shea Weber return with Montreal. That's kind of been a long-awaited return. See what he can do there. So uh, definitely a number of intriguing option, uh, games to watch tonight, that's for sure. Yeah, the other highlight is Colorado and Nashville, two of the powers in the Western Conference going head-to-head. Nashville a little bit undermanned, and Colorado really scoring like crazy. This could be a tough night for the home side, I think. In any case, let's uh, get into the Rotowire lineup optimizer. AJ, you can tell us a little bit about that and what they have in store for people that want to bank on them tonight. Yeah, so the optimizer uh, is pulling a heavy Winnipeg stack against the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight. Certainly can't blame it for that. Uh, A lot of that probably has to do with the fact that the uh, over-under in that game is 6.5, which is really pretty high. 
plus you've got Winnipeg favored minus 145 in that game. So uh, it makes sense that they're going to utilize these guys. And it starts with Mark, uh, Mark Shifley for 7,900 paired up with uh, a cheaper center option in Casey Middlestat at 4,100. And so the Winnipeg uh, guys come through the wingers here. It's got Blake Wheeler at 7,600. Kyle Connor at 6,000 and Nikolai Ehlers at 5,000. All these guys playing in top six roles and getting a look on the power play. Uh, so with all that many money spent up, it goes with Rupe Hints for Dallas at 3,000. Uh, again, another guy playing top six minutes, uh, getting power play looks. So not a bad option there as well. On the D end, uh, the optimizer likes Victor Hedman for Tampa at 6,400 and Shane Goss with uh, Philadelphia for 5,600. I think those are both intriguing matchups for those guys. Anaheim's been down a little bit. Obviously, we talked about all the problems with Ottawa. The goaltending pick here is a little bit curious to me. I, it's got Pekka Rene for Nashville at 9,200. Uh, I personally might shy away from that only because you're looking at a guy uh, who's facing that that Colorado offense, and he's one of the most, if not, I believe, the most expensive option in the Nets tonight. But when you get all those kind of high-priced, uh, you know, Shifley, Wheeler, and Connor in there, uh, maybe you don't need to really worry about saving up. So that's what the optimizer has tonight. Well, an interesting lineup to be sure. A lot of a lot of name recognition guys who are playing very well. And you said the heavy Winnipeg compliment. Uh, there's been a few weeks now in a row where teams have really picked on your Penguins, but I think they've been burned every time. So this could continue. Maybe it's an omen <laughs> that you're setting up here. Uh, I'm going to counter with my lineup. I got bits and bites from around the league, a different strategy tonight. But I'm looking at the hot players right now. And uh, few are hotter than Matt Duchesne over the last month. The guy's been piling up points on a regular basis. We talked about the murky situation in the Philadelphia Nets. Those factors conspire in me loading him into the role. $6,600 is my number one center. I pair him with a guy who's number two in Minnesota, but he's been scoring very regularly too, and that's Miko Koivu against a very suspect Arizona team that's start, uh, starting to hit the skids a little bit. So I got two hot players against two teams that are reeling a little bit in the first two slots. I pair them with three wingers who are four wingers who are also all on fire. Yanni Gourd for Tampa Bay, underrated and and uh, still scoring very regularly on a second scoring line there for fifty five hundred dollars. And Alex Took, I mentioned he's a point a game guy for Vegas against a Chicago team that is top heavy, but uh, some questions in goal there. Montreal Canadiens getting a lot of good work out of Jonathan Drouin in the scoring line role. $6,100 to get him at home against Carolina. Kyle Connor, one of the top scoring wingers in Winnipeg circumstance, playing alongside uh, Patrick Laine as well in that unit that's firing on all cylinders right now against your Penguins. That's the only uh, Winnipeg Jet I got in the lineup here tonight, AJ. Uh, Matt Dumba and Thomas Shabbat, two uh, good scoring defenders, again, picking on the two goalie situations that they're opposing in Arizona and Philadelphia this evening. And my goalie choice, I'm afforded the opportunity to see if Marc-Andre Fleury can get a third straight shutout as he visits the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. The price tag is $8,400. Yeah, so I, I love uh, I love that lineup. I'm taking a bit of a, a riskier approach here, but I think uh, in GPP it's it's a great play tonight, uh, and and I'll just leave it at that. So I'm going to start with the Eichel line. Uh, I'm going to take all three guys on on his wow. line: Jack Eichel, 7600; Jeff Skinner, 7200; Sam Reinhardt, 4800. Uh, gives you a bit of a high low. You get the discount savings using Reinhardt, but 
that whole group has been producing well of late. I don't hate the matchup with San Jose. I, I did mention that I think, uh, you know, Evander Kane could be a play tonight. But overall, uh, Buffalo has just been so hot lately. I'm hoping to ride that out. And I kind of tease this one on the other side. I'm going to use uh, Vancouver, too, uh, as my other line here. Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, and Nikolai Goldoba. Now, if Besser doesn't play, I'm going to have to shuffle this up a bit. And I'll tweet that out, obviously, if I make some changes here. Uh, I'm going with Alex Edler again for Vancouver for a full uh, four guy stack. But as you mentioned, he's their power play quarterback. And speaking of power play quarterbacks, I'm going to go with Chris Letang, 6,600 uh, 6, tonight as my other defensive option. Now, I've spent a lot of money there. And so that leaves me uh, with uh, um, another Buffalo Sabre, another risky kind of play here. Carter Hutton for 7,900. I think he's really cheap, especially with how well he's been playing lately. And hopefully he can steal another one. Now, I will also throw out there. I'm going to see what I can do about fully stacking that whole uh, Pittsburgh uh, Winnipeg game. Try and fit in, you know, Malkin's line and Line's line. See what that might look like. And uh, if I can make that work in a viable way, I'll be sure to tweet that out as well. Well, some good options there being touted. Uh, a lot of money being spent if you go Pittsburgh and, and Winnipeg offensively, uh, AJ. I'll be curious to see what the rest of your mix looks like. Which brings us now to the signature points of the program that winded up the stud of the week. We've uh, kept our lips quiet about this a little bit, but Patrick Laine of the Jets certainly got gums flapping with a five-goal effort on Saturday night, really underscoring this guy's shooting skills. Obviously, he's leading the league tied now with uh, Pasternak in Boston, 19 goals scored. But I want to highlight this guy's hockey IQ. The entire NHL knows he's a prolific goal scorer, but he gets credit in this corner for fighting the way and the lanes to get the job done. What I mean to say is it's the ability, it's that ability that's more impressive to me than his quick release. He finds the open area better than most skaters, despite coverages where, you know, teams are keying on him. And, And he still gets a direct path to the net for his shot and exploits it consistently. The fifth goal in question uh, highlights it best the other night. He was alone in the slot. Now, how in the heck did he wind up there? And he had all, it seemed like all day to pick a corner. And you know, when you're given a guy like that, that opportunity, he's going to get it done. And people are saying, wow, what a shot. But it's getting to the spot that impresses me and getting open as consistently as he does when you know everybody's watching out for him. And to further underscore what this guy's done, I give him even more credit for scoring at this great pace without playing alongside Shifley and Wheeler, the Jets' other top players. I think what's also impressive about, uh, you know, he's got 11 goals in the last four games. Only two of those have come on the power play. uh, And that's despite averaging nearly five and a half minutes per game with the man advantage. And while that you could see that as a concern that he's not scoring on the power play, I actually see it as a positive that he's got nine goals in the last four games at even strength. And that, to your point, really highlights the ability to find the open ice. I honestly think he's right up there uh, in terms of, uh, you know, finding those those openings with Alexander Ovechkin. I, I think both these guys, you know that they're going to score. You know they can score. And so other teams are trying to prevent it, yet somehow they both seem to get lost in the mix uh, and, and open for, for these shots. And so... I really think he's right on par there. And, you know, long term, I'm interested to see how their goal scoring totals uh, match up over their career. I think if if there is anybody that can can get close, I'm not going to say he'll top Ovechkin's numbers. But if if there's anybody that I think can get close in terms of pure goal scoring, uh, it might be Patrick Laine. 
And so on the flip side, we have to talk about something that's been consistently upsetting uh, to me, and that's the plight of the Arizona Coyotes. When they hired this John Chica as the GM, I was kind of intrigued because he remember a couple of his first moves of note, AJ, were picking up contracts of LTIR players for draft picks. I thought that's an interesting way for a team that's not a cat max team to kind of start building things around the rest of the club. But this trade that they made last week really has me scratching my head. Basically, what they did is they traded two former first-round picks to get one former first-round pick from Chicago. Let's dive into this trade a little bit now, partner. Strom and Perlini, for my part, for my observation, have both been prolific scorers in junior, but neither player has ever really been afforded a long look in a scoring line role in their time in Arizona with quality, quality players around them. Uh, in exchange, they get a guy, Nick Schmaltz, who's bounced around the Hawks' scoring lines for the past two years, and when he played his best and produced his best, he was playing alongside Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, and I've used this line a lot before, AJ. You and I could thrive in that circumstance. So I don't know how good uh, Schmaltz can be in Arizona, but I'll tell you this. Strom was neck and neck with one Mitch Marner as a junior in uh, in the OHL and I got to see both of them play a lot and I didn't think there was much to choose from between the two of them and we know how good Marner's been in the NHL so I just think Strom needs the right opportunity he's going to get that playing second line minutes with some skilled players on a consistent basis in Chicago and then Perlini is uh, another guy who's a skilled player. That gives them two inexpensive pieces capable of playing top six minutes here. That's exactly what the Hawks need. They won't be pussyfooting around here. These guys are going to get scoring line opportunities, and I bet you they make the, the, the Coyotes rue the day they made this deal real quick. Yeah, I think what's interesting to me is that you you this club seems to not be able to decide whether it's trying to build for the future or win now. Um, based on the fact that they gave up two, yeah, maybe you could say underperforming prospects for one, um, you know, un, for one prospect who at least had three goals or three assists rather in his last three games, um, strikes me as a win now move. But I just don't think the rest of this lineup is really built uh, in a win now capacity, and so I, I, that's the problem for me overall with with everything that the Hawks this this move makes sense. Um, you get rid of one guy for two and you can build off that and, and try and build towards the future. And that's something that Chicago needs right now. But Arizona, I think, should be doing the same thing. If, if I'm being perfectly honest, you know, you've got uh, Rick, uh, Richard Panic is going to be a UFA next year. And so that's a guy that you could trade maybe for a couple of prospects, especially at the deadline or, or get some, you know, uh, picks in there. You know, you mentioned them trying to accrue picks. In the next uh, three drafts, they don't have any additional picks in the first or second round. They've got a, a couple of extra picks in the sixth round and an extra third rounder lying out there next year. But uh, there really aren't an accumulation of high draft picks. And so really, once you get past the third round, it's it's kind of you, you know, you're you're picking with informed information, but there's no guarantee uh, at that point. You know, with first and second round picks, you have a little bit more of an expectation that these guys will be, you know, NHLers at some point. And so, 
Uh, I really just don't think there's there's a clear vision or, or direction into what this team's doing. I think your your hashtag nails there on that one, AJ. <laughs> uh, well said to wrap that up. And uh, that finishes up another episode of Puckcast with Statsman and AJ. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJ Schultz24. As always, we invite you to listen in to Puckcast every Tuesday to get your our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. Thank you.